What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Let's just welcome Pastor Matt Lascavio. I like that. I look young. Can you tell the youth students that? They always call me old. Say, I haven't hit 30 yet. I'm only 29. I tell them next year they can call me old, but uh, not till then. Just kidding. Thank you, Pastor Lisa. I got to take you with me everywhere. That was great. I uh, appreciate it. Hey, real quick, I want to I wanna, uh, honor Pastor Chris, our lead pastor. How many know we have an incredible lead pastor? Come on. He's, uh, I want to thank him for the opportunity to speak this morning. He's not with us. He's speaking at a church in Bakersfield. How cool is it that God is um, using our pastor and our place to not only bless this place, but all over California, churches all over California. Pastor Chris also spoke at a youth conference this week, so God has just been using him in a powerful way. But how many know, family, what we've been experiencing has been incredible? How many know other churches need that, right? And so um, blessing to be able to share our lead pastor. And uh, man, this series, Holy Ghost, we're continuing it, and it's been so good. How many have been touched by this series? So good, so, so good. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about the oil, the anointing, and man, that was a message. That was so good. And so Listen, if this week you're like, it wasn't as good, don't worry, he'll be back next week, okay? Cool, come back next week. If it's your first week, you're like, this guy's not good, next guy will be good. Cool? Great. All right. Cool. This week we're talking about the wind. Someone say wind. wind. We're talking about the Holy Ghost as, as wind, um, and the passage we're going to dive into is Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, it's a great passage of scripture. If you guys can all stand with me as we go ahead and read the word, we're going to start verses nine, at verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 14. And it, said, it says this, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. Verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, will, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. That your word is, is full of grace, mercy, truth. Power, God, I thank you, Holy Ghost, that you bring power, that you bring dead things back to life. God, I pray for any of us in our situation right now that we would uh, cease looking at any distractions, that we would put all of our attention and our focus on you this morning. God, I thank you that you're the God that breathes life into dead circumstances and situations. I pray that we would experience, uh, not, not, not just talk about, but we would experience the wind of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God this morning. In Jesus' name, Thrive Family said... Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. You may be seated. So in this passage, the prophet Ezekiel is having a vision. He's seeing a vision of the restoration of Israel. Okay, and it's more than just a physical restoration. The passage is about a physical restoration, but it's not just about a physical restoration. This is a vision that speaks to spiritual restoration. It's a vision that talks about spiritually coming back to life as well as physically come back to life. And I think the reality that is, is that we can be physically alive but spiritually dead. 
How many know that this morning? I, I have had seasons in my life where physically I'm in the building, physically I'm at church, physically I'm there, physically I'm in small groups, but spiritually I am dead. Spiritually I'm dead, but physically I'm alive. And so I, I want to talk about this concept today of us not just being physically alive, but spiritually alive as well. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to revive some of the dead things in our heart. He wants to revive some of the dead ways of thinking that we have. He wants to revive the things that we thought were dead in us. See, the word in Hebrew for breath or, or wind is ruach, and it means wind, breath, or spirit. And when it's used in scripture, it's used as a noun describing a person, not a verb describing an action, okay? You're like, I, this is an English class. What are you doing? Okay, <laughs> promise I won't go too much into it, but the Holy Ghost is a person, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling you get. Now, there's sometimes feeling attached to encountering the person, but the Holy Ghost is a person. And so the, the, the Ruah, the breath, the wind, the Spirit of God is a person, and He is God. So, so, so as we talk today, we're not talking about a feeling. I want to I just lay that groundwork. That way we don't think, because we've had moments where we feel the presence of God and we think it's just a feeling, but no, it's a person. You're encountering a person, and the emotional aspect that's attached to it is because of the person in the room. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. The wind, the breath is the tangible presence of God. The wind is the presence that you feel in worship, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You feel it. Maybe last week, maybe this week, you feel the presence of God hit the room, but it's also the still small voice that guides you when you're not here. It's the presence, it's the spirit that's with us when we gather, but it's also the spirit that's with you when you're crying in your car. It's the spirit that's with you when we gather together here on a Sunday, but it's also the spirit that's with you in the hospital room. It's the spirit that's with you in small group, and it's the spirit that's with you when you're all alone in your room. The presence of God is not confined to a place. The wind of God is not confined to a place. The wind of God is the person of the Holy Spirit. When we see the wind in the text, what I love is we see that in the text, the wind of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's a vision of a valley of dry bones. A valley of skeletons, a valley of death, a valley of dead things. And the Spirit of God sees a hopeless situation, breathes on it, and brings it back to life. I believe today that we might have some dead situations in our life. And the reality is it actually is a dead situation in our life. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God can breathe on that situation and bring it back to life. That your situation is not too dire that the Holy Ghost can't bring, breathe on it. Because what I've found oftentimes, and in this passage particularly, is that Holy Ghost rebuilds ruins. The presence of God rebuilds what was once dead. When the Spirit of God is present, dead things come to life. When the Spirit of God is in the room, what we thought was gone and dead comes back to life. If there's a part of your life that's dead, and I think if we're honest, all of us maybe have a little bit of something in our life that's dead that needs to come back to life. Whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, you need the wind. You need the breath of God on it. See, I think the reality is some of us have parts of our lives that we allow to stay dead. What do I mean by that? Some of us have been living in spiritual or emotional or relational financial death for so long we begin to identify with it. We begin to say, oh, well, I'm just anxious. I'm just depressed. I'm just an addict. I'm just lustful. I'm just broke. I'm just stubborn. 
I'm just angry. What we begin to do is instead of allowing Holy Spirit in to breathe on the dead parts of our life, what we begin to do is we begin to identify it because it's more comfortable to, to, to just say, you know what, this is who I am. No, the world wants to tell you, the devil wants to tell you that what you feel is what you are. But what I came to tell you today is that the wind and the breath of God can speak to the dead things in your life and bring them back to life. We get so comfortable in our mess, our death, our destruction that we identify with it and we say that this is who I am, like it or not. This is who I am. We say, oh, well, I'm a Lascavio, I'm a Smith, I'm a Rodriguez, I'm this. You don't understand, Pastor Matt. We've been struggling with this in generations for years. Yeah, you may have been struggling with that in generations for years, but you don't have to stay dead, friend. Because the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, my Bible says that he lives in you and I. And so if the Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives inside of us, why do we allow dead things to stay dead? I'm coming in hot this morning because I believe somebody needs to experience the tangible presence of God that can change your circumstance. The Holy Ghost doesn't just want you to feel something cool like goosebumps on a Sunday. The Holy Ghost wants you to feel something cool like, like goosebumps on a Sunday that leads to your Monday changing. That leads to you walking out of the death and destruction that you live in and into, into life. Ah. It's not just, a, and, I, and I love the presence of God. Pastor Chris even said last week, I was on the floor, on my face, weeping. I was out last Sunday. I was, I was gone. Presence just hit. I was on the floor. I love it. But if that doesn't lead to transformation, that doesn't mean much. A lot of us get so comfortable just having emotional moments with God, but we don't allow it to change us. We don't allow it to transform us from the inside. We say, that was really cool, and that was really great, and encountering God was awesome, but you know what? I'm still angry. I'm still wounded by what that person did to me. I still hold unforgiveness in my heart. I'm still angry. Pastor Matt, you don't understand. This has been generational. This is just how we are. No, it's not. Or, well, maybe it is, but that's not how it has to stay. See, I think oftentimes the reason we experience long-term death or spiritual decay is because of our pride, not our actions. It's because you, you, you stay there because you're unwilling to humble yourself and say, I need some help. You're unwilling to humble yourself and say, God, I need your presence in this. I need your presence in my relationship. I need your presence in my emotional life. I need your presence in the way I talk to my kids. I need your presence in the way that I act at work. I need your presence with me in all times. What we do is we say, God, you can have this part, but not that part. And so we stay stuck because of pride. I want to speak to another story in the Bible that, that kind of shows this a little bit. And it's a story that most of us, if we've been in church for maybe like five minutes, have probably heard. You know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? No? Okay. Wow. No one said anything. There we go. Thank you, Jose. He's an intern. If you didn't know that one, bro, I was going to kick you out. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you. Adam and Eve in the garden, okay? Adam and Eve eat of the fruit, right? God says you can have all of this but the one tree, right? The forbidden fruit. And, and so what Adam and Eve do is they eat of the fruit, right? The word of God says they open their eyes. They realize their nakedness. They heard the sound of the Lord coming from, for them and they hid. What I want to focus on today is what Adam and Eve did was, was, was that they hid from God when he was pursuing them. I, I have two daughters, um, one named Kinsley. She's almost four. She turns four in a week. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're having a birthday party. We're getting a slide. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait. Almost four. She's big. It's like, you know, everyone always tells you that, oh, they grow up fast until you realize that they actually do grow up fast. I'm like, bro, I remember when you were just born. And then I have a six-month-old who was just born. 
and she's lovely, Shiloh, um, both of my girls, I love them, and, and Kinsley um, is, is amazing, she thinks that she's Shiloh's little mommy, and she's like really good too, like she, she can hold her, she knows how to hold her, like we put her in the rocking chair, we put Kinsley in the rocking chair to hold the baby, and she'll, she'll hold her, she, she got her, like at first I was like, mm. you, you know, you, parents, you know what I'm talking about, when your kid wants to hold the other kid, and you're like, uh-uh, mm, she got it, she got it, okay, and so She's getting older, and so what we're starting to do is we're starting to allow her a little more, like, time where she watches the kid. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone know what I'm talking about, right? Or is this just my child? Okay. And I'm like, okay, you can, you can watch Sissy, yeah. And so what we'll do is we'll give her, like, a minute in the room with sister alone, right? Like, so she feels like she's watching. And I, I not just feel, she actually is. She's growing, right? And, um, and, but we only have two rules for her, okay? We have two rules. Don't touch her hands. Don't touch her face, because my toddler, or sorry, not my toddler, my six-month-old is at the phase where she just puts everything in her mouth. You know, it's like just teething, everything in her mouth. And how many know, you ever seen a four-year-old's hands? They are disgusting. D- dried up applesauce, dirt, chalk. We didn't even go outside how you get chalk on your hand. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, when's the last time you wash your hands? Tuesday. What? You, you know, like, <laughs> we just tell her, don't touch your hands, don't touch your face, right? And so we, last week, giving her a minute, uh, baby's in the middle of the bed, laying on the bed. Kinsley's watching her, right? I go out of the room. I come back in. I peek around the corner just to kind of like see how it's going, you know, how to evaluate the situation. I peek around the corner and Kin- <laughs> oh Lord, help us. Kinsley has her hands on Shiloh's face like this and their noses are pressed together. <laughs> Two rules, that's it, okay. And so I peek around the corner, I go, Kinsley, like, I didn't even say nothing. You, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just say the names, like, Kinsley. And her face gets so big. Her eyes get so big. Right? She freezes. You know, when, you know when they freeze? Right? She freezes. She jumps off the bed. She sprints out of the room, goes, finds a chair, hides behind the chair. Right? And I was like, it's, it's, it's still, like, I didn't even yell at her. I didn't do nothing. Like, I was just going to talk to her about, like, hey, this is why we don't touch her face because she can get sick. Right? But, but what she did, her natural response to the father pursuing and seeing what had happened in the situation that I was trying to bring healing and help to, her natural response was to run and hide. A lot like Adam and Eve did in the story, when the father pursues them after they've brought about death and chaos, what they do is they run and hide. See, I think oftentimes this is what we do in our life when things are spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally dead, is we don't allow Holy Spirit to change them. What we do is we run and hide with it. We say, God, you can have this part of me, but you can't have this part of me. I love Pastor Eric. I, I'm just, we did child dedications last week. I was reminded of what he always used to say. It was so funny to me. Like, we, all, we always will say, God, you can have my child, but you can't have my wallet. Oh, you can take my kid anywhere, but not my, no, not my money, right? Like, like we, are, we are like that with God in, in, the, in the aspect of you can have this, but you can't have that. I think a lot of times we're hiding what we need to expose to God. Because if we're hiding what God needs to heal, he can never heal it. Not because he can't heal it, he can still heal it. But the problem is we won't allow him to because pride has crept in. See, oftentimes what we do, we're hiding, not because of anything other than we have a pride and we, want, we have an arrogance and we want to say, no, I don't need your help in that. I got that. I can get myself out of that. I can work my way out of that. See, we allow pride to control our decisions and we hide because we're ashamed of the decay. We're ashamed of the destruction. We're afraid to take accountability, so we hide. What God does in the passage with Adam and Eve is he calls to them. See, the father pursues them. He calls to Adam and he pursues him. 
Then he immediately, after that, he details in Genesis 3, I believe it's 15 and 16, details the plan for Jesus to redeem us. Let me see what's happening. Here's what happens. Adam sins. Adam hides. The father pursues. The son makes a way to reconciliation. After Jesus dies and resurrects, then the Holy Spirit comes and restores. See, we hide what what we actually ought to bring to God so he can restore. We don't live in the old covenant. Once we accept Jesus, the breath, the spirit of the living God lives inside of us, but we have to actually allow him and give him permission to take all of us and have all of our heart. See, we focus so much on the fact that we inherited original sin from Adam, but we don't ever focus on the fact, we forget about the fact that we also inherited the spirit of life from Jesus, that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of you, so that way no longer do you have to stay in your bondage, but you're free from your bondage you're free to actually live how Jesus called you to. No longer do you have to stay stuck in the same sin cycle that your mom went through, that your dad went through, that your brother went through, that your sister went through, but you have the power through the Holy Ghost to walk out of that. See, the wind of God comes into your life and empowers you to walk out of your sin and shame and bondage and into freedom. The problem, friend, isn't that he can't bring you freedom, it's that you won't go with him. Because it takes humility to go with him. Because it takes a heart that says, you know what, I am a mess to go with him. Hmm. Can I tell you something today? The Holy Ghost is not in the business of breaking you down. See, I think Adam ran from God because he was afraid of God. But in actuality, the Father was pursuing him in a gentle way. The Holy Ghost is not in the, building, the business of breaking you down and condemning you. He's in the business of rebuilding and repairing. Some of us have this imagery of God with a gavel who's just mad at us all the time for everything that we've done. But that's not the God that I see in Scripture. The God that I see in Scripture actually came down, lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life, and died for us even though he didn't have to. He was so emotionally distraught the night before he went to the cross that he was, he was bleeding sweat. He was sweating so much that he was bleeding. That God is not the God who's ready to stamp you guilty. He's the God that's ready to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for you to come home. And he says, I'm actually going to send you the spirit that's going to empower you to be free from the chains and the bondage. But you have to humble yourself and accept it. <laughs> I believe the same way he, he, he breathes and rebuilds the ruins in Ezekiel 37 is the same way he wants to breathe on your life this morning and rebuild it. Yes, family. Yes, friends. There are some parts of your life that might be broken. The first thing that we have to do is identify it and say, you know what? There are parts of my life that are broken. The second thing we have to do is allow Holy Spirit to actually change us. The Holy Spirit can breathe on your prayer life and resuscitate it. The Holy Spirit can breathe on your marriage and bring it back to life. The Holy Spirit can breathe on your work life, even when it's in chaos, and bring it back to life. The Holy Spirit can breathe on your prodigal son or daughter and bring them back to life. And it doesn't matter how long you've been distant. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've prayed. It doesn't matter how far you feel from God. One moment with the Holy Ghost, with the wind of God, with the Ruha, with the presence, with the Spirit of God can transform everything. See, I think the problem is we think, well, I've been sinning for 10 10 years, so I have to do 10 years of service in order to encounter the living God and actually feel like I've been free. But friends, that is not the gospel. The gospel says it doesn't matter how long you've been dirty or how long you've been in sin or how long you've been in shame. One moment with the presence of God and everything can change. You cannot earn your way into the favor of God. The only way that you can experience the presence of God is humble yourself, admit that you need the spirit of God and allow him in. It doesn't matter how long you've been distant, friend. Come back today. 
doesn't matter how long that family member has been away from Jesus, one moment in the presence can change everything. Holy Spirit doesn't want you just to feel goosebumps in a moment. Again, he does. But he empowers you to walk out of death and into life. I believe wholeheartedly God gave me an assignment. Holy Ghost wants to break off some chains today. But we've gotten so comfortable having just emotional moments with God, but not allowing Holy Ghost to actually sever our agreement with sin. We get so comfortable just having an altar moment, but we don't actually let anything transform inside of our hearts. Family, let's not. I love what Pastor Marvel was saying in, 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 as we did communion. Is sometimes we get so used to just doing religious things like coming to an altar, like doing, no, no, family, let's let Holy Ghost actually break the bondage and the power of sin in our life. Let's let him actually break it off today. He will give you the goosebumps. You will feel it. You will feel the presence of God, but that, that always has to lead to something more. That always has to lead to a life that's actually transformed. See, the, the wind of God, the presence of God is not just a feeling in worship. When Holy Ghost rebuilds, it's a tra- he rebuilds a transformed mind. He rebuilds a re- repentant mind. He rebuilds a transformed heart. When Holy Spirit rebuilds, it leads to change that restores generations. See, Holy Ghost restores generations. Hmm. I believe this with all my heart. I would not be a generations pastor if I didn't believe that Holy Ghost could restore generations. See, there's a phrase before the passage we got to in Ezekiel 37.2. I just didn't want to read it all because I was like, too much. let's just read this passage. But Ezekiel 37.2, describing the valley and the bones, says the bones were very dry. Now, that phrase, very dry bones, is unique within the Hebrew scriptures. Um, these aren't newly or recently dead bones. These aren't newly or recently dead skeletons. What, what, what the, the, the scholars actually are saying is the, the fact that the text includes very dry means these bones are long dead, long gone. means that they're years and years and years of death or decades of death. He's not talking about something that's been dead for a little bit. He's talking about something that's been dead for generations. I want to tell someone today that God is not limited by how long you've been in spiritual death. God is not limited by the time frame that you've been struggling with addiction. You might say, you know, I've been struggling with this same addiction for the past nine years, and that's why I'm in bondage. No, friend, one moment in the presence of God, one breath from the spirit of the living God can breathe life into it. Been struggling with depression, lust, addiction, anxiety for so long that you've lost hope. God can take the things that were dead for years, one breath, bring them to life. Some of you have family members that left God a long time ago and they've been in sin for a while and you've given up hope because you think that they're too far gone. Friend, one breath, he could breathe it back to life. I've seen it happen. (laughs) Some of us have been in the building for years. We've been present in the building for years, but our spiritual life has been dead. One breath today, this morning, breathe it back to life. You don't have to be in here just kind of getting by. I believe the Spirit of God wants to actually make some real rebuilding rest, rest, re, restoration in your life today. And again, Pastor Louis said, I'm, I'm the generations pastor, the youth and young adult pastor. And um, every year we have a conference for youth and young adults called Run This Town. And the motto is, from the place of encounter, we're sent. And I, I, I go all in on this thought process of knowing God, encountering God, and then living missionally because I believe wholeheartedly that God is in the business of restoring generations. I believe that God is not done with Gen Z. I believe that God is not done with a generation that people would say, you know what, they're gone. They don't understand their identity. They struggle with this and this and this and this. And you know what? The reality is actually, if you look at statistics, Gen Z is is, is leaving the church in record numbers. The valley that we're looking at 
Parents, as you're pastoring, because you help me pastor your young people. I'm not just the pastor. You're the pastor in the house. As we try to reach our young people, the valley is real and the bones are very dry. But can I tell you, I believe wholeheartedly that with one breath, the Spirit of God can transform a generation. This is why we do generations not. Family, can I tell you that you look at statistics and they might be, they might be grim and they might be bleak, but not here. We will not allow a generation to go unnoticed. We will not allow a generation to be caused, caught in destruction and chaos and, and envy and depression and anxiety. See, if you come to Generations Night, parents, I encourage you to come next Friday and see what God is doing. We're seeing 110, 120 young people at the altar. God is moving in power, and it's because we're allowing Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. There's something really real happening, family. Don't look at the, 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 the dead things and look at that. Don't look at, the, don't look at the dry bones and say there's no hope. Look at the Spirit of God and say there is hope. We get so comfortable, family, looking at the dry bones and saying, well, they're dead already. There's no hope. Look at your God, not your, not your, not your problem. Look at him, not your, not your circumstance, not your situation. See, I believe God restores generations. And if the worship team can come up just a minute, I'm going to close here. I believe that a Holy Ghost reveals himself through restoration. Holy Ghost will reveal himself in a moment, even a moment like this. I, I feel the presence of God. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. I feel the presence of God in the room today. I felt the presence of God as we worship together today. But there's also something about him revealing himself after he's restored and we walk in faithfulness. He will heal us in a moment, but he will also take us through a process of obedience. There will be times when we feel him in the moment and it feels really good. And there will be times when we don't feel him in the moment and we have to say yes, even when we don't feel like it. And that's beautiful too. See, 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 there's something beautiful about a moment like this where God meets us together and we can tangibly feel the presence. And I think we really, really like these moments. But there's also beauty in moments where you don't feel the presence and you follow him anyways. Family, I want to encourage you that you don't just need to follow him when you feel like it. You need to follow him when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. You need to pursue him when, it, when, it, when you feel the goosebumps and when you don't. Because family, he pursued you so we can pursue him back. There's a decision that we have to make, even when it's hard. Even when it hurts, Holy Ghost, I'm going to follow you. Even when it hurts, God, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to follow you. It's not an emotional decision. It's a decision that we make because we know who the God of the universe is. And we do have a moment of encounter with God that is emotional, that is real, that is powerful, and that leads to transform hearts and minds and lives. Family, I want to encourage you, if you if you just are jumping from moment to moment to moment to emotionalism. Make the decision today that whether you feel it or whether you're not, you're following God wholeheartedly. It's a decision you have to make when it's hard. There's a powerful declaration in verse 13 and 14. Can you guys throw up 13 and 14? It says, then you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. See, he, he reveals himself in this passage after the restoration, not before it. He reveals himself after the restoration. What does that mean? It means we have to be obedient even before the breakthrough. Anyone ever, I don't know if anyone else has done this, but we really want God to, to, to make, it, make it really obvious the way that we should go and be like, well, Holy Spirit, I'll give you my whole life if you make three butterflies go across the windshield right now. 
Come on, I know I'm not the only one to do something like that. You know, like Holy Spirit, I'll give you my whole life if you just do this. We bargain with God and we ask for signs and we ask for him to show us. Friends, can we grow in spiritual maturity to the place where we say, I'm gonna follow you whether the butterflies fly across my windshield or not. I'm gonna follow you whether I get in a car crash or not. I'm gonna follow you whether my friends do or not. I'm gonna follow you even if my son is still a prodigal. I'm gonna follow you even if it costs me something at work. I'm gonna follow you even if it stings a little bit. I'm gonna follow you even if you don't give me a sign because I don't need a sign because I know who you are. You're looking for a sign and your sign is on the other end of obedience. Reminded me of a story in Exodus chapter three. I'm giving you a couple different passages of scripture this morning. Reminded me of Exodus three. You probably have heard the story. It's when God appears to Moses in the burning bush. Yes, you ever been to kids church? You know the story, God. Thank you, Jose. There we go. Our interns are learning. Just kidding. Exodus chapter three in the burning bush says this, but Moses said to God, God tells Moses, he's gonna deliver Egypt out, or Israel out of slavery in Egypt, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God tells Moses what Moses is gonna do, and Moses' first response is to doubt the voice of God. Friend, I think we do this all too often. I think that God has called a lot of us to some incredible things, but we're saying, who am I that I should go? Hmm. I love God's response. Moses is asking for a sign and God says five words, I will be with you. (laughs) We want a sign. He says, here's your sign, I'm with you. We want a sign. He says, here's your sign. I'm already living inside of you. Here's your sign. I sent my son to die for you, resurrect on the third day and sent the Holy Spirit in life to live inside of you. That's your sign. Now go in obedience. He tells Moses, I will be with you. And then he says, okay, I'll give you a sign. He says, this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Huh? It's not a sign before. That's a sign after. That's a sign of victory. That's a sign of once you've already done what I've commanded you to do, then it'll all make sense. Family, your situation might not make sense and you are debating whether or not you want to follow Jesus because you don't see clearly where he's taking you, family, can I tell you that your victory is on the other side of your obedience? Hmm. Moses asks God for a sign and his response is after you've led people out of Egypt. You know what's interesting is, 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 is when God says to, to Moses, and this will be the sign that I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That you is plural in the Hebrew, meaning not just you, Moses, will be worshiping me. on Ah, not just you, Moses, will be worshiping me on this mountain, but everybody around you will. Ah, I feel like that's for somebody today. Not just you will be worshiping me on the other side of your obedience, but your family will. Not just you will be worshiping on the other side of obedience, but your co-workers will. Not just you will be worshiping me on the other side of obedience, but your friends that don't know Jesus will. Not just you will worship me on the other side of obedience, but Lathrop will. Not just you will worship me on the other side of obedience, but Manteca will, but Stockton will, but Modesto will, but Tracy will can I tell you we don't know what's on the other side of obedience but will we still say yes God says to Moses I'm with you even when you don't see me 
Moses, I'm with you even when you don't feel me. Moses, I'm with you when you see me in a burning bush and I'm with you when you part the Red Sea, but I'm also with you when you're wandering for 40 years in the desert. I'm with you when all of Israel doesn't listen to you. I'm with you when you're on the mountain and you come down and they're worshiping a golden calf. I'm with you when it feels good and I'm with you when it doesn't. Moses asked for a sign and God says, I'm with you. Can I remind someone today that Holy Ghost is with you? The spirit, the wind, the breath, the tangible presence of God is with you when you feel him and when you don't. When your marriage is great and when it's in shambles. When you get a raise and when you get fired. When your kids listen and when they don't. Lord knows they don't always listen. The presence of God is with you when you feel it and when you don't. The presence of God is with you when you feel him and when you don't. The presence of God is with you in the highs and the lows. The presence of God, you know what's interesting? The presence of God was with Moses on Mount Sinai, which is a high peak mountain. And the presence of God was with Moses in the valley of the desert. The presence of God is with you in the high points of your life and he's with you in the valleys of your life. Can I tell you that God is not with you only when you feel him. God is with you in everything. And when we lean into the wind of God, everything changes. Last thing, and we're going to close with this. I want to remind you, family, our job is not to rebuild. That's his job. We don't rebuild ruins. Holy Ghost does. Only he can breathe that life. Our job is to humble ourselves, admit that we need some rebuilding, and allow him to change our lives. Our job is not to do it ourselves. That's what got us in here in the first place. That's what pride is. Our job is to say, you know what, Holy Ghost, I stand here as a man, as a woman that would say I'm broken and I'm in desperate need of a Savior. Not only in need of a Savior, but I'm in need of a leader. I'm in need of the wind of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, and how I talk to my kids and how I talk to my wife and how I talk to my coworkers. I'm in need of a Holy Ghost. I'm in need of this presence of God. I'm in need of the wind. Family, I wanna, I wanna invite you all to stand with me today. I wanna do this, I wanna ask if anyone needs the breath of God on their life, if anyone needs the spirit of God on their life, if you would you'd say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I wanna humble myself today like you're talking about, and I wanna admit that I am broken, there's parts of me that are dead, and today you want them to breathe back in life, I just want you to slip up your hand with me, come on, come on, anybody, thank you, hands all over, thank you, Jesus. Second thing I wanna ask is if you would say today, I've been identifying with my ruins. I feel like this one's gonna hit the room. Is if you would say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I've been struggling for so long and I just said that I am anxious. I am angry, I am depressed, I am this. If you've been identifying with your ruins, I want you to slip up your hand because I believe today that you no longer have to identify with the ruins, but that the Holy Ghost is gonna breathe life and you no longer identify as the ruins, but you identify with the presence and the spirit that breaks bondage. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, family, we're going to worship. If you raise your hand, I want you to meet me at the front. Come on. Come on. There's something about actually saying yes and walking forward. It's not that it's more spiritual, more special. It's that you're acknowledging, Holy Ghost, I need you. Come on. There were hands all over. Come on. Come on. And we're going to worship. Pastors, if you guys just want to lay hands as we worship, I'm believing that God is transforming hearts. He's given new names today. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Holy Ghost, I pray the wind of God hits this room. God, I pray that you do whatever you want to do in this room today. We have humble hearts that say we need you in Jesus' name, family. Let's worship.
I want to do this. Can everyone in the room raise their hands with me? I believe that God is moving in a powerful way. And I, I want to sing this uh, asking as a church. If you're in the back and you would say, you know what, not for me. Let's ask for a fresh wind of God for those who are responding in the moment. I, I want to sing this chorus out a couple times like we actually believe it. That we actually believe. I believe right now that Holy Ghost is breaking chains off of lives. He's breaking years of bad decisions. He's breaking years of anxiety. He's breaking years of depression. He's breaking off generational curses that have traveled through the bloodline for years that today a moment and a moment with the presence of God he's severing ties to darkness right now and he's breathing life family let's lift it up let's believe it today come on renaming you today family he's renaming you named yourself depression he's renaming you peace you named yourself anxiety he's renaming you joy you named yourself broke he's renaming you blessed you named yourself afraid he's naming you son or daughter that walks with the spirit of power God I thank you that you break off bondage God I thank you that this church will no longer resonate with the voice of the enemy I thank you that this church will resonate with the voice of the wind God I pray that you send us and as we go that we would also carry your presence to people the same way that Moses brought millions out of Egypt that this church would bring your people out of slavery no more spiritual slavery in Lathrop Manteca Tracy Stockton God I pray you use us I pray Holy Spirit you blow on us and that your presence would go with us Holy Ghost we thank you that you are the wind of God that's your presence pray this wouldn't just be a powerful moment on a Sunday but it would carry us into a Monday when we don't feel you it would carry us on a Tuesday when we don't see you. It would be, you would be with us on a Wednesday when our kids are acting up. God, I thank you for what you're doing. Mm. Pray you seal it in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Family, can we give it up for Jesus one time? Man. Man. Listen, last exhortation, don't go back. There's freedom, don't go back. You're free. There's grace. 
There's grace to break the power of, bo- of bondage. Thank you, Lord. Hey, real quick, can we give it up for the worship team one time? Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Last thing, before you guys leave, someone say, Grow Track. Hey, if you're new to Thrive and you want to make this place home or you're not new and you want to make this place home and God is resonating in your heart and you want to get more involved, get plugged in, get to know some people, make sure you sign up for Growth Track today. Okay, that's our on-ramp. If God is moving and you haven't signed up for Growth Track, make sure you make that decision. Cool? Yes? All right. God bless you guys. Love you, family. We'll see you next week. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.